Our scripture today comes from 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. We'll begin in verse 7. While you're turning, yesterday we had a, a great time together with a variety of things. Actually, there was a children's conference going on and uh, some other things happening here at the church. But also we were doing early response team training. Some of you were there. Uh, this uh, is a training through... United Methodist Committee on Relief, which allows us to go in when there's been a, a hurricane or some kind of a disaster, flooding, whatever it might be, allows us to kind of come in early uh, with the training. We do the background checks and other things. We had about 35 people take the class, but some of you were sharing that you were not able to be there yesterday and were asking, uh, you know, what can we do? There, there is another class on November the 10th uh, that'll be in Salisbury. So if you're looking for an opportunity uh, send me a note, or you can go to the conference website as well, but feel free to send me a note, and I can uh, send you the information so that, that you can go. This will allow us, especially with what has just happened um, in the Gulf Coast, to be able to send teams in, and, and they know that uh, you've been trained on how to come in for relief and recovery, um, and that you have been background checked, so they know that your reason for coming in is to help and not to harm in any way. 1 John chapter 4, beginning of verse 7. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. We love one another, God lives in us, and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God, and they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And those who abide in love abide in God, and God abides in them. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness on the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not reached perfection in love. We love because He first loved us. Those who say, I love God and hate their brothers or sisters are liars. For those who do not love a brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they've not seen. The commandment we have from Him is this, those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. This is the Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. 
And now as I stand before these, your people, your church, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. In the 1980s, mid-1980s, there was a song that was made popular by this blind, passionate singer named Ronnie Millsap. Ronnie Millsap put out a song called, What a Difference You've Made in My Life. It's a gorgeous song, and then later Amy Grant put it out, and some others have sung the song, but, but the song has some beautiful words. What a difference you've made in my life. What a difference you've made in my life. You're my sunshine, day and night. What a difference you've made in my life. What a change you've made in my heart. What a change you've made in my heart. You've replaced all the broken parts. What a change you've made in my heart. Love to me was just a word in a song that had been way overused. But now I've joined in the singing. Because you've shown me love's true meaning. So now I want to spread the news of what a difference you've made in my life. I mean, it's a, it's a powerful song. Now, I haven't researched the song well enough to know, you know, was this song originally designed to be a Christian song or, or was it a love song, you know, about two people? I don't, I don't really know, but you place that song inside the church, it's pretty powerful. When we look at what a difference God has made in our lives, what a change God has made in our hearts, that God has replaced all the broken parts, how love to us was just a word in a song that had been way overused until God showed us love's true meaning. It's, it's a powerful message. If you were going to look at what is the message of John, it's love. If you read the Gospel of John, you will see the word love weave its way through the Scripture. When you read 1 John, you'll see the word love weave its way through the Scripture. As a matter of fact, one of the most beautiful and well-known verses that we have in the Gospel of John that we actually mentioned last week is John 3.16. For God so loved the world. The, the challenge with that verse is, is that we have heard that verse so much, we've quoted that verse so much, that sometimes we don't really hear that verse. That God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son so that whosoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. One of the things I periodically do when we're doing a memorial service or a funeral service is, is I will take that verse and and, and change it with the name of the person who died. Or just change your name. Put your name in there in place of the world. For God so loved you. For God so loved you. That God gave His only begotten Son. So that if you would believe in Him, you will not perish. But you will have everlasting life i mean it's love is god's motivation it's why god does what he does now that word love it's a special word in the greek it's the word agape in the english language as we've we've discussed before we use the word love so many different ways i mean we love about everything but in the greek you had different words for love that kind of helped you see the difference for example you had philia which is brotherly love you had eros 
which is romantic love. And then there was this little word, agape. Agape was known before the church. It just wasn't used much before the church. Agape is a special kind of love. It's a, it's a deeper kind of love. And agape is the Greek word that is used all throughout 1 John. It's also used throughout John's Gospel. The word agape love is unconditional love. Now, I'll share with you, I think there is a difference between unconditional love and unconditional approval. And when I, I shared that in one of the earlier services, I saw somebody kind of grimace, you know, they kind of furred their brow like, wait a minute, preacher, what are you talking about? And, and here's what I'm talking about. I have unconditional love for my children. I do not have unconditional approval for whatever they do. I mean, I, our children, we, we love them. We tell them there is nothing you can do to ever keep us from loving you. But that does not mean that I then say, because I love you, whatever you do, I'm okay with. There, there is a difference. But what God is saying to us here is, I love you unconditionally. I love you for who you are, where you are, right now. Unconditional love. It's unmerited love as well. The word agape means an unmerited love. And John tells us in the Scripture in verse 7 that it's a gift from God. Paul tells us that this love is a gift from God. It's nothing that we do that we can earn this love from God. God so loved the world first. It's a gift. But this word agape... It's also a deeper word that means sacrificial love. It's a love that loves so deeply that it's willing to put someone else first. It's why Jesus said in John 15 verse 13, greater love has no one than this, than the one who's willing to lay down their life for a friend. Now hold on to that. Jesus said there's no such thing as a greater love than one who's willing to lay down his life for someone else. And John 3.16 then reminds us that God so loved you, God so loved the world, that he laid down his own life for us. You see, it's not God looking at us going, hey, love you guys, mean it. It's so much deeper than that. And, and John uses this word throughout. As a matter of fact, he tells us in verse 8, actually twice in the Scripture, God is agape. God is love. This is God's essence. This is God's being. This is God's identity. And, and then John goes on to say, and, and God doesn't simply say I love you. It's more than just some emotional attachment God demonstrates God's love. It says in verse 9, God's love was revealed in this way. God did something. God's love for us was so powerful that it caused God to act. And God revealed God's love in this way. God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And this is love. Not that we love God, but He loved us. And sent His Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's amazing love. I was talking to somebody in our church not long ago. He came into my office and we were, we were having some conversation. And he's kind of new to the congregation. And, and he was going, you know, I just don't understand why churches across America are not just 
just running over. I just don't understand why they're not just packed every, every Sunday. He goes, every, every time I come into the church, every time I come into the sanctuary, every time I'm in this space, I, I'm reminded of who God is. And he goes, I, I'm just reminded that God really loved me enough that God would be willing to sacrifice His own Son for me, for my sins, that I could be forgiven, that I could have everlasting life with Him. And He goes, and when I do that, man, I just got to start praying. I just, I just, just want to sing praise to God. I want to worship God. I just don't understand how if the world really knew how much God loved them, why we're not just packing out the church going, hey, God, we love you too. And he was just so full of this, this, this faith and this passion. And he goes, you know, I was going through some hard times recently. And, and somebody told me, he said, you need to pray and ask God to help you with it. And he goes, I can't ask God to do that. And, and the person said, well, well why not? And he said, well, well, my goodness. He said, God, God already loved me enough that he gave me everything he's got. He's already given me a son. How could I dare go back to God and go, can I have some more? And he goes, and then they began to explain to me about how being God's child means that God wants you to ask and embrace and that it's a relationship. But it was, he was so full because God had revealed God's love to him and the giving of his only begotten son, our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. So John says in verse 13, by this love, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he's given of his spirit. Verse 15, and God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son of God. And they abide in God. So we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and those who abide in love abide in God and God abides in them. And then we hear the scripture, verse 19, we love because He first loved us. I mean, it's a response. John Wesley said, that verse right there, 1 John 4, 19, it's the sum of all religion. It's the sum of our faith. We love in response to God who's already loved us. God acts, we react. It's a response to this God who so loves us. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He goes, well, love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and your mind. In other words, love God with everything you've got. Love God with your whole being and love each other John wraps it up in verse 21 and says, this is the commandment we have from him. Those who love God must love their brothers and sisters also. I've been going through a, a little bit of a time of reflection and discernment in my life. I know I'm being a little confessional now. And, but, I, you know, I've just kind of been trying to think through, you know, who I am, where I am, what's going on in my life. I don't, there's probably a variety of reasons for this. Some people go, it's probably because you've just experienced your father's death. Well, maybe that's what it is because... We know we have a tendency now that the generation is shifting to start thinking about our own mortality and our own lives. So maybe that's part of it. And, you know, but it was going on before that. But yes, we found out first of the year that dad had lung cancer. So it could be that we've been processing for quite some time. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's because I'm finishing 30 years in ministry, which I know is hard for you to believe when I'm only 40. But, but 30 years in ministry and... You know, I, it's actually 35 because started when I was 20, when I was in junior and senior in college, I was serving two small churches. And, and then when I was in seminary for three years in Atlanta, I was serving a church. And 
but it's 30 years full time. And so maybe I'm at that point where I'm going is, you know, for the next 15, 20 years, whatever it might be that I'm in ministry, what is where, what does it look like? What what do I do? What is God calling me to do? What is God calling me to be? I just I want to make sure that I'm being faithful, that that I'm doing what God wants me to do. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's what it is. I don't know. It could be that I am 54 years of age. And you know, when we get around this age, we start wondering, what do we need to do? I don't know. Maybe a convertible would help. I'm not sure. <laughs> I shared that yesterday we did the early response training so that we, we can go into disaster areas. The, the guy that led the response training is somebody that I went to college and seminary with and have been friends with from the time I was 18 years old. Nancy and I have known him you know, most of our lives. And so after the training, we took him to dinner. And today's his birthday, so we thought, you know, you spent the day with us. We want to thank you for spending the day and doing the training. And today's your birthday, so we're going to, you know, we'll take you out to dinner. We were sitting in the restaurant having dinner, and, and he started telling stories. And those of you who were there yesterday know the guy tells stories. And, and so he, you know, he was telling a story, and he said, you know, I've got this lady in my church, and, and for some reason, she is absolutely convinced She's going to die. And I looked at him and I said, and she's right. <laughs> well, he goes, well, I know that, but she's thinking like now. You know, because the death rate is pushing right at 100%. I mean, we pull Jesus, Elijah, Enoch out of the... We're pushing right at 100%. So maybe it's that I'm at this point of knowing that that mortality is a reality, that, and I'm 54 years of age, that I just don't have time to play church anymore. We've got to be real as the body of Christ, as the church. I don't know, but I, I think the reason that I do what I do is because I really do believe that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And I can celebrate what a difference God has made in my life. And I can join in the singing because God showed me love's true meaning and that's why I want to spread the news. I, I really do believe this. And, and the challenge is I, I really want you to believe this. I, I want you to experience the difference that God is making in your lives and that God wants to make in your lives. I, I remember sharing with somebody one day, I, I do some coaching sometimes of pastors and churches, and, and, and he, was, he was asking me, he goes, you know, what do you think next level really looks like? I mean, what does it mean for me to go to the next level as a pastor? And I said, here's what will take you to the next level. What will take you to the next level is when you have trouble sleeping at night because there's somebody that you know that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's somebody that you know that wants to grow deeper in their faith and you haven't had a chance yet to take them there or get them connected where they can go there. Next level is when you have trouble sleeping at night because you believe this so much that you've got to get it out there. That's the passion and the next level. I... I really want you to believe this. I really want you to receive the fact that God loves you the way God does. I mean, we, we use this word love so often that, 
that it does become almost a word in a song that's overused. But, but do you understand that God loves you so much that He gave His only Son for you? It's overwhelming. It, it, it can be so overwhelming for us. But it's the essence of the faith. It's the essence of the gospel that in our brokenness, God intervened and offered Jesus Christ. And through the church, God wants to make a difference in the lives of the world. So I think it's a time not only for discernment as pastors and clergy and others, I think it's a time of discernment in the life of the church. What does it mean to be the church today? What does it mean for us to be the church in this world today? To be the physical presence of Jesus Christ as as we share in our mission statement, but it's not something that, that we came up with on our own. Paul says it in Corinthians. You are the body of Christ. We're the church. Now the first thing we have to understand when we talk about the church is this is the sanctuary. This is not the church. You're the church. The church is the people. It's one of the things I get tickled sometimes when I hear people go, you know, I'm just not real happy with with our church right now. I'm going, so you're not really happy with yourself right now. Let's talk about that. I mean, because we we have a tendency to, you're the church. If, If something is missing for the church, then what do we as the church do to fix it? What do we as the church do to enhance it? What do we as the church do to be who God has called us to be. I mean, we join together and celebrate what a difference God has made in our lives, but now God is depending on us to be the presence of Christ that will make a difference in the lives of others in the name of and on behalf of Jesus Christ. So what role will we have in this community? What, what difference will we make? Whose life is being impacted? Who looks at, at the church, meaning us, together brothers and sisters in Christ and goes what a difference you've made in my life on behalf of Jesus Christ so I want to invite you I want to invite you to respond in a a few ways first I want to invite you to receive God's love see we have a tendency to get together and talk about it We, we even can get together and quote it but do we receive it? Have you received the fact that God loves you? There's a lot of people in our world and in our congregations that are hurting and and are lonely and feel that they're unloved. But you need to know God loves you by name. And gave his son for you by name. And the question is, have you received it? Have you accepted Jesus Christ as as your Savior, as your Lord, and received him into your life and received this love that God has given? Second way I want you to respond is, is once you receive God's love, I want to invite you to love God with everything you've got. It's the great commandment to love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and your mind. But the easiest way to say it is just love God with everything you've got, with every part of your being and your essence. Do you love God? And and the third thing is, is I invite you to love one another. 
I mean, we have a tendency sometimes to greet one another, but do we love one another? We are so busy today, so busy today that we do not have time for relationships. As a matter of fact, some of the studies are showing that we're struggling because we are now so electronically driven that our relationships are virtual relationships. But do we take the time to genuinely love each other? To care about one another? Not just to turn around and say, how are you doing? But pray they don't really tell you. I mean, every church, I mean, every church I've served, you, you learn pretty quickly. There are some people that you do not ask, how are you doing? You simply say, good to see you. Because if you ask how you're doing, they're going to go, well, just let me tell you, last Sunday afternoon, and then Monday morning, and then Monday afternoon, and then Monday night. I mean, but I mean, do we really care? At what point do we really care that I do love you, and I do really care about you? And it breaks my heart when you hurt, and it brings me joy when you laugh. So I invite you to love one another. And fourth, I invite us to recommit to be the church. Not to go to church. Because you are the church. Don't get that mixed up. You're the church here. You'll be the church this afternoon when you're watching ball games. You'll be the church when you're in the stands getting ready to say something about the referee who just made a call on your kid or your grandkid. And since you're the church, you need to go, Ref, I'm praying for you. Bless his heart. <laughs> you're the church wherever you are. You're the church at work. You're the church in the neighborhood. You're the church at the HOA meeting. You're the church. But I invite us to truly be the church. The physical presence of Jesus Christ in our world. God doesn't have time for us to play church either. God is depending on us because there are so many people in our world that are hurting today. We're in such a divisive world today. I mean, it is an us and them world on just about anything. No matter what the topic is almost, there's, there's this side or this side. And, and people go, well, I'm kind of in the middle. We're not, you're not allowed to be in the middle anymore. You've got to choose a side. You're either for us or against us. You, you, it's amazing no matter what it is. Even in the life of the church today, and I'm not just talking about wedding day, I'm talking about the church as a whole. I mean, there are sides that are drawn everywhere. And God is calling us to truly be the church in a hurting world. There, there are so many people out there that are broken, and, and a lot of times we come here and we leave broken. So I invite you to receive God's love and God's healing. I invite you to love God with everything you've got. I encourage you to love one another. And I call on you to recommit to be the body of Christ, the church, offering the good news of this saving grace to all the world. Love to me was just a word and a song that had been way overused. But now I join in the singing because you've shown me love's true meaning. That's why I want to spread the news. What a difference you've made in my life.